the monk's incessant chanting nerve-wracking. The duration of the unseasonable winds and unexpected storms had some of the crew muttering about sorcery and dark magic. The lookout offered a silent prayer of thanks to Killian, goddess of nature and sailors, and then added a short one to Aortis, whom some said was the true god of the sea, that come dawn they would reach their destination. Crondor. The Tyr and its escort would quickly leave the city for the east, but the sailor would remain in Crondor with his family. What he was being paid would allow him a long visit home. The sailor, above, thought of his wife and two children, and he smiled briefly. His daughter was now old enough to help her mother around the kitchen and with her baby brother and a third child was due soon. As he had a hundred times before, the sailor vowed he'd find other work near home so he could spend more time with his family. He was pulled from his reverie by another flicker of movement toward shore. Light from the ship painted the storm-tossed comas, and he could sense the rhythm of the sea. Something had just broken the rhythm. He peered through the murk, trying to pierce the gloom by strength of will, to see if they might be drifting too close to the rocks. Newt said, The blue light coming from that ship gives me a bad feeling, Captain. The man Newt addressed towered over him as he looked down. At six foot eight inches tall, he dwarfed those around him. His massive shoulders and arms lay exposed by the black leather cuirass he favoured, though he had added a pair of shoulder pads studded with steel spikes, a prize taken off the corpse of one of Quegg's more renowned gladiators. The exposed skin displayed dozens of reminders of battles fought, traces of old wounds intersecting one another. A scar that ran from forehead to jawbone through his right eye, which was milky white, marked his face. But his left seemed to glow with an evil red light from within, and Newt knew that eye missed little. Save for the spikes on his shoulders, his armour was plain and serviceable, well-oiled and cared for, but displaying patches and repairs. An amulet hung around his neck, bronze but darkened by more than time and neglect, stained by ancient and black arts. The red gem set in its middle pulsed with a faint inner light of its own, as Bear said, Worry about keeping us off the rocks, pilot. It's the only reason I keep you alive. Turning to the rear of the ship, he spoke softly but his voice carried to the stern. No! A sailor at the rear spoke down to those in the hold below. Forward! And the hortator raised one hand and then brought its heel down on the drum between his knees. At the sound of the first beat, the slaves chained to their seats raised their oars, and on the second beat they lowered them and pulled as one. The word had been passed, but the master of slaves who walked between the banks of oars repeated it. Silently, my darlings, 
I'll kill the first of you who makes a sound above a whisper. The ship, a Quigan patrol galley seized in a raid the year before, inched forward, picking up speed. At the prow, Newt crouched, intently scanning the water before him. He had positioned the ship so it would come straight at the target, but there was one turn that still needed to be made to port. Not difficult if one reckoned the timing correctly, but dangerous nevertheless. Suddenly Newt turned and said, Now, hard to port. Bear turned and relayed the order, and the helmsman turned the ship. A moment later Newt ordered the rudder amidships, and the galley began to cut through the water. Newt's gaze lingered on Bear for a moment, and then he returned his attention to the ship they were about to take. Newt had never been so frightened.